0: From the cheap seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. It'll be behalf-
1: that is absolutely a pivotal moment <laughs> and a seminal moment in in sports broadcast history Drew Pearson there trolling all the 250,000 <laughs> Philadelphians that showed up for the draft that was amazing you're you're listening to from the cheap seats Krista Lambert normally Brandon Atkins would be sitting here with me but Professor Trent filling in for Brandon who's out on vacation I I do have to tell you I've got one concern before we get started Every week, my wife listens to... Well, wait wait a minute. Most... Who am I with? Sometimes my <laughs> wife listens to the show, but when she does, she always tells me, Brandon's so funny. Uh-oh. And my question every week is, what about me? You're fine. You're fine. So maybe if you're listening... You know, I I know we're fighting an uphill fight, but Trent, I know you'll you'll uh fill in admirably mm-hmm. and Brandon will be listening to the show at some point and uh you know, you're you're loved and you're missed and whatever, dude. NFL draft this weekend, it it dominated the television in most American homes with with sports fans in them. What are your thoughts before I get off on my me- mathematical analytics tangent, Trent?
2: You know, I I think a lot of teams did very good for themselves. I think they got the uh, the guys that they, they needed to fill the spots. Uh, I, the one thing that really annoyed me is all these red flags, red flags. Oh, the, the, the personal things. I mean, is that what we're turning into is they're they're so conscientious about it that, I mean, it's a huge investment and I understand that, but I mean, digging into a past where a guy stole a pair of sneakers when he was in seventh grade, you know, in the environment that some of these guys come to, does this really matter now? And how much do we have to dwell on it? Even after the draft, some of the recap is they're always talking about these instead of, okay... You know, it's a concern, but this is what they did.
1: Well, a couple of points with regard to the red flag situations that you're talking about. First of all, everybody has to understand that football players, you know, are not choir boys. All right. There are going to be guys out there with things in their past. And yes, a a significant percentage of these guys come from bad environments. Yeah. So you have to kind of weigh how do those red flags, how do incidents in the past, kind of you know project going forward but here's where the talking heads break down sometimes they talk in terms of those red flags and and you know run-ins with the law or whatever the case might be and they talk about locker room chemistry yeah one has nest doesn't have anything to do with the other yeah frankly mm-hmm. so let's look at uh, Cincinnati that's mm-hmm. probably the most publicized most talked about, Overwrought red flag out there. Joe Mixon, for mm-hmm. those of you who don't know, when he was a when he was a freshman at Oklahoma, certainly everybody that wants to has seen the video, he got into an altercation and punched a girl in the face, broke four bones in her face, and knocked her out. He went and turned himself in. It's on video. Yeah. I mean, you can't get around it. It's an unforgivable act. I it absolutely there's no excuse for what happened. Uh his reaction to the situation no matter what was said, no matter what in, what the instigator did is unforgivable. Yeah. However, how that impacts the locker room has nothing to do with whether or not he's a nice guy outside in a bar in a club situation like that. Yeah. Obviously he's a good teammate. They, you know, Oklahoma kept him on the team. He's a talented guy and with the exception of all of the interview requests and all the media hype about the incident, by all accounts, was a good teammate between the hashes and in the in the locker room. This happened before he ever played a snap of football at Oklahoma. So, obviously, the guy works hard yeah. because there's plenty of blue-chip prospects that come into major programs that never pan out to be anything. Joe Mixon moved past that, and I wouldn't ever want to anyone out there to feel like I'm trying to justify what he did. But do any of us really want to be defined by a one single decision that we made when we were 19 years old? Yeah. Because if we did – I got problems, buddy.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, and that, and that's the thing. That's exactly the point, though, I think that you made is in the locker room is more disruptive. That's going to cost you football games. The locker room, the guys that are disruptive in the locker room to me are the ones that are less valued to a team than the ones that, you know, may have something off.
1: Well, and, and I'll go one step further in a situation like this with Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon has shown that he can react positively in dealing with adversity. So, yes, he did something awful. And, yes, you know he's had to answer for that in a public forum a million times over. Mm-hmm. I don't feel bad for him. Not not by any stretch of the imagination, but he's, he has talked this thing to death. He has said the right things, but he has shown that a negative incident like that, which at some point in our lives we're all going to have to deal with adversity, he's shown that he can deal with adversity. Yeah. He's shown that it's not going to distract him from doing what he needs to do to excel on the football field. So I look at it, and I hate to say, well, it's a positive, but you kind of know how this guy's going to react. On the other hand, look at a guy like Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf had never been in trouble off the field before he was drafted and and got onto the San Diego Chargers roster. But as soon as he had that money and a little bit of pressure, he folded, Mm -hmm. came crashing down like a house of cards, and it was an absolute train wreck. That's where that's a chemistry thing. You know, can you coexist? with 52 other guys and a coaching staff and operate in that type of environment, I think that's a whole lot important from a chemistry standpoint. Now, I don't want to, as a general manager, come in and fill my team up with a bunch of criminals. But at the same time, you you have to kind of look at every incident in a vacuum and figure out what it's all about. The second point that I want to make with this is that the national media is unbelievably lazy. Joe Mixon has been beat to death over this incident because it was on video. Yeah. Just like Ray Rice was. And again, those are unforgivable. You know, you always have to consider that as you're talking about these cats. And it's going to impact everything from the level of support they get in the community uh, to jersey sales, all the rest of that. There's there's definitely a stigma that's going to follow a guy like Joe Mixon around. However... If you pull up the rap sheet on Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook's been in trouble since he was a child. Yeah. And it's been one thing after the other after the other. And in every situation, it's kind of gotten taken care of because of who Dalvin Cook was and the amount of athletic ability that he had. That guy would scare me a whole lot more if I'm a personnel guy in the NFL because he hasn't learned his lesson. Yeah. Yeah and nobody it's funny because it doesn't take much reading between the lines when you read interviews with coaching staff and the rest of folks that have been close to the situation because everything sort of has to be qualified. Yeah, well, Dalvin this and Dalvin that. Dalvin Cook's been in trouble for a long time, but because there's no smoking gun, there's no videotape out there, folks, the talking heads they they don't they, they don't give it to you. That's frustrating to me. These guys 24-7 get paid to cover sports, do the hard work. You know, Caleb Brantley crashed down draft boards this weekend. Mm -hmm. Caleb Brantley, defensive tackle from Florida, was was projected to be as high as a late first-round pick. Wasn't taken until the sixth round with the Cleveland Browns. Now, this incident with him, and he's accused of punching a woman, the teams haven't even had a chance to do due diligence. I was shocked that there wasn't more talk about the incident on television this weekend throughout the draft. You know, there were there were little pockets of information out there. But, again, it wasn't easy for the media because there's no video. So they didn't feel like they had a talking point. Mm-hmm. And Caleb Brantley, you know, moving forward, the – the Browns may or may not have hit with this guy. There's, there's legal issues to work through. There's public affairs issues to work through. Caleb Brantley may never sign a contract with the Browns. If he does and he plays at the level that he's capable of, he will move past this incident, and three or four years from now, people will forget that he was wrapped up in this. And you know how I know? Ray Lewis. Yeah. Ray Lewis was party to a freaking murder. And he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know, two two Super Bowl rings later, nobody cares that Ray Lewis, not a good guy. Yeah. So, you know, we as fans have to – we have to figure out where our priorities are. And when you look at a pick like, you know, Joe Mixon to the Bengals at 48, some, some folks, you know, are looking at it and they're, well, just win. You know, they got a guy that really, truly might have been a top ten talent in this draft in the middle of the second round – You've got other folks out there on message boards and, and every place else that are like, I'm done with the Bengals, I'm, I'm out forever. Well, if you speak with your season ticket dollars and your, and your jersey purchases and the rest of that, teams will listen. But the fact is, we here in America, we don't. Yeah. Michael Vick you know, was a pariah, but as soon as he was eligible to get back in the league, guess what? He was out there playing again. Yeah. It's just funny how we, we love to, to get excited for a moment or two but it's easy for athletes to move past that and transcend it. Um, interesting to me. About a minute left in the segment. Close it out, Trent.
2: You know, I, I think that that is the joys now of the social media. Now, what what would have that draft been back in the day with Miami University? Look at all the red flags. How oh much of gosh. that was talking? I mean, <laughs> they could have had – we would have – still. I mean – They are still talking about it. There's a 30 for 30 on it, but back then it was nothing. So right now, I think that evaluate it like you said. Are they taking that opportunity, that mistake, and doing right by it? Or are they one that people are telling them they're great?
3: Don't
0: go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing
3: you could do anything.
4: The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting edge research.
5: Jim Falvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose.
4: Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory
3: was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion.
2: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of.
6: At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
0: I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education.
6: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to dav.org.
0: Welcome back to From the Sheep's
1: All right, Trent Trent Nichols and Chris Lambert here with you. Brandon Atkins down at Ocracoke Island doing his, you know, doing his thing. All right, we were talking about bad guys in the first segment. Um, I want to talk about optimism. All right, the draft, even for for all 32 franchises, going in in the weeks leading up to the draft, every fan base is fired up. They think that, you know, they've got it projected. They've got their list of guys that, that their team's going to take, and they can justify how they're going to make a run deep into the playoffs. All right. And then (laughs) comes Sunday after the draft, um, a significant number of those franchise supporters are still fired up and and others are just out of their minds. But what has always annoyed me, Trent, is draft grades. Draft grades from the national media – have cracked me up for 20 years, since it's really the inception of the internet when it became a big thing. That's something that that talking heads and pundits have done is put together draft grades, and I always look at them, and it's the same thing. There'll be one or two A's, a, a handful of B's and B pluses, and and some C's, and then there'll be one D. Well, nonsense. There should be F's. Yeah, And there should be... You should be willing to call those teams out. Not everybody wins. You know, we, not everybody wins, <laughs> You don't right? get a ribbon for and in, participating. And in a professional sports league where you're looking at that, and, you know, achievement is measurable, yeah. Yeah, you can fail at the draft. And we had a couple of teams that really pooped the bed yeah. this weekend. Now, I know you didn't know this about me, but I live in the nerd zone sometimes.
2: I think I've learned – very quickly.
1: Well, what I did back in the late 90s was tried to sort of apply analytics to the draft. And since then, I've worked up a formula and I'm not going to I'm not going to talk about it too deep <laughs> because I'd like you to stay listening to the show. I'm not going to bore you with the statistics and the numbers, but basically what I do is I apply point values to players, I apply point values to picks, and based on what a team does in the NFL draft, I give them credit for what they've added, and then also compute the efficiency given the picks that they had to start the draft. All right, Kansas City and Chicago get Fs. Period. Wow. And this isn't a subjective thing. This is this is all based on math and analysis that was done well ahead of the of the draft. But you've got two teams, math aside, that you have to be looking at scratching your head. Both teams gave up picks to move up to take quarterbacks in this draft and then proceeded to overdraft those quarterbacks. I was stunned as Chicago moved from three to two where San Francisco – all along had no intention to take in Mitchell Trubisky. And Chicago gave up two threes and a four to move up one spot and overdraft Mitchell Trubisky to add to their roster that already has Mike Glennon, who they just gave $45 million to. What are are we doing?
2: Yeah, I mean – I don't know what they were afraid of. I don't know if they thought Cleveland was gonna jump back in the game and move up and swipe them. Uh, Mitchell, you know I <laughs> it's hard to believe that he is a second pick in the draft. He started 13 games the leadership. we don't know about the leadership, but then why would you spend the money on that? If that you have to spend time knowing what you're targeting in the draft, why would you go out and sign? Well, quarterback,
1: you—you obviously they had to have absolutely fallen in love with the tape on Mitchell Trubisky, yeah. Which is interesting because as I watched the draft um, at Libations in downtown Sanford, bunch of guys out there that you know the the same thing came out of everybody's mouth. Mitchell Trubisky looks good, but he's eight and five playing an ACC schedule. Mm -hmm. All right, he didn't get it done for an extended period of time. You take him at two, even if you say yes. Talent-wise, Mitchell Trubisky is the second best player in the country, and he is a future franchise quarterback. You have to take that young guy and put him into a position to succeed. Bringing him onto a roster that's pretty horrible right now, yeah. with a brand-new free agent addition at quarterback who's young, who came there expecting to be the starter, if Mike Glennon had wanted to you know, be somebody's backup. He could have stayed down there, and backed up Jameis Winston for the next twenty years. So you bring Trubisky into a bad situation, into a a team that's got issues personnel wise, and now you take that and you put a split locker room. You're 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 absolutely headed directly to quarterback controversyville from here. Yep. You're asking a lot of this guy, and the questions about him have been with the un, in, intangibles, with leadership, and dealing with adversity, and the rest of that, and you're putting him in an awful situation to start. This this isn't going to end well.
2: No, and I think Chicago, you got to figure out. John Fox, if that was him, or if it was Pace, I mean, I can't imagine John Fox wanted to do that. He has not been this— I mean, he is not going to stand to be this unsuccessful. And adding drama to it is not going to help the Bears. They just got rid of, you know, the drama queen Cutler and look like they're trying to get to the right direction. But for Mitchell, yeah, you're excited. You're the second pick in the draft. But, you know, what? what is really going on? I mean, can he be excited about that? He shouldn't think that, yes, he would want to be the starter, he knows he needs to learn it, but it is just a mess that you're not going to be able to come in there, sit on the bench, learn for a year or two, get ready to go as, you know, with uh Mike as the uh, the bridge quarterback to him without all this. There's a lot of questions that need to be answered.
1: Well, here's here's the the other part of this issue. You've got a guy that has not been in the system there in Chicago in yep. Mike Glennon. Somebody has to get the number one reps. Somebody has to get The most attention from the coaching staff. I mean, we're human. There's only so much energy we can invest into people. Now they're in a situation where they have to pick or choose one of these two guys. In the best situations, if you're trying to groom a number, you know, a top three, top four quarterback, you're bringing him into a situation with somebody that's established. That's sort of holding the seat for them as yeah. they move through the system, and everybody in the franchise kind of recognizes, you know, we're bringing this guy along, so he's he's the one that's getting that attention, the extra sessions, all the rest of that stuff. In this case, you got to figure out who's going to get that because you got two young quarterbacks now. One of them has to get the number one attention because you've got to play somebody on Sundays. Nobody. Throughout this entire process, looked across and said, Well, Mitch Trubisky's Mitchell. Sorry, mom. (laughs) Mitchell Trubisky is ready to start for somebody on day one. Yeah. That hasn't come out of anybody's mouth for good reason. He's not. He's got 13 college starts under his belt. This guy is going to take some time, but now you got a, a young quarterback in Mike Glennon who's going to be the starter at the beginning of the season. You can't sacrifice his reps and his attention to give to the young guy because this isn't a vet that knows the system inside and out in his on autopilot. This is a mess.
2: But how much pressure? He's the second pick. You're going to be paying him a lot of money. That's right. So why – I know the numbers say that Kansas City was an F. Speaking of that, you have Alex Smith, you know, maybe on the, the decline, the the nearing the end of his career – the Chiefs obviously, obviously felt great about you know Patrick Mahomes, so why aren't they in a better position? They got the guy that they thought you know they gave up two first round picks basically this year and next to have the future quarterback.
1: Okay, here's the thing. Mathematically, it's that number one that they gave up to move up into that spot to get Pat Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Now they they overdrafted Pat Mahomes. Period. There's no doubt about that. Taking him at 10, there's no value there. Okay, He's ranked somewhere 17 to 25 probably in total prospect ratings. Mm -hmm. Now, Andy Reid knows a whole lot more about NFL quarterbacks than I do, so I'm not going to argue with him. But here's the question you have to ask yourself. Andy Reid is without a doubt running the show personnel-wise there in Kansas City. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I would agree. Tell me how much success Andy Reid's had drafting quarterbacks.
2: Yeah, no.
1: Uh, Kevin Cobb. I mean, you go back to Donovan McNabb. Donovan McNabb, anybody that thinks that was an Andy Reid pick and he did that is silly. Yeah, I don't – yeah. He wasn't running anything at that point. So you look at it, and it's been a series of free agent quarterbacks that he's used over time. Mike Vick, um, Alex Smith brought in there. Uh, when did they sign Castle? Was Castle when when – I don't know. We're not going to bog it down. Smith. My Cash point is, right is that, that Andy Reid, as a college talent evaluator, as it applies to quarterbacks, hadn't had a whole lot of you know track record of success. Now you've gone and you've given up a future one, moved up there to get Pat Mahomes. You better have that right. And, and my grades... Here is I give them an F, have nothing to do with my analysis of the picks after the picks have been made. This was all from a mathematical standpoint. Mm-hmm. So not only did Kansas City not do any damage in the first round, they went and overdrafted Buda Baker in the second round. Buda Baker might end up being a good player, but they could have gotten it, you know, go help get get that pick back, trade down the board a little bit. Buda Baker at 36, they overdrafted him. So when you reach in the first two rounds, you've got a problem. When you reach in the first two rounds and you give up a future number one pick, that's when you end up with an F.
2: And they were a playoff team. You know, this wasn't the L.A. Chargers that were last in the the division. I mean, they could have used this draft and probably next year. And Oakland's going to be tough, but they were right there with them. I mean they could have competed by using they had to have needed something else more than their future quarterback.
1: And here's at this point. Okay, and if you're Kansas City and you want to see what a what a good, strong draft looks like, you go best defensive player in round one, mm-hmm. cross your fingers and hope that your guy falls to you at thirty six. If you're able to pull that off, that's a whole different animal. You know, you haven't given up the future, number one. You get Mahomes a good value. Now, of course, there's no way to predict where Mahomes would have would have gone had Kansas City not moved up and taken him. Fair enough. But you can't force the issue on your board like that. That's how teams get themselves in trouble.
2: Well, just like all of us, I think the Chicago Bears put Andy Reid in a tizzy going, oh, man, i got to get my quarterback.
1: It's entirely you know? possible, and I think a lot of folks looking – thought there was a run coming
0: you're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Akin. you might not love your seats but you'll love the show When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life.
6: If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com.
0: now, From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins.
1: All right, Chris DeLambert and Trenton Nichols here. Brandon's out on vacation. We miss you, Brandon. Squeaky chair.
2: Squeaky chair misses you, Brandon.
1: There's not a single person in the building wearing Carolina blue either, so I don't know. But do we do know now that uh, it's not Brandon's fault that that chair is squeaking because you just keep moving around and... All the rest of that. But good first half hour talking about the draft. Um, I want to go back before we move any farther and make sure folks at home understand And I'm not going to bore you with the math and and go too deep into that. I don't want anybody's eyes to glaze over. But with Kansas City, yes, they got an F from me for the draft. All right, if Pat Mahomes ends up being the next Brett Favre, You know, they'll have a 30 for 30 special and everybody will look back and talk about how genius it was and what a great value it was, on and on and on, because it didn't take the number one pick to get the guy. Mm -hmm. However, where their draft really continued to break down was what they did in the next couple of rounds. In the second and third rounds, Kansas, we're talking about Kansas City, they took guys with their second and third picks that weren't top 100 players on anybody's list. Now, Andy Reid may know better than everybody else out there, but the likelihood of these guys, you know, outperforming their, the, you know, their their uh, pre-graph grades is minimal. And what it tells you, though, is that even if these guys are going to do damage at the next level, you probably could have got them a little later. In the second round, they took Adam Sheehan, tight end out of Ashland. All right. That's Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't matter. Two Fs. You've got to get value. That's what this is all about. You're trying to get the best 53 players that you can possibly field, and the draft is the chance for all of these teams to do it. If you go into the draft and you're trying to fill holes and get specific positions, that's where you get yourself into trouble. And both Kansas City and Chicago were trading up The numbers bear it out. Now, when we regrade this a year or two from now after we've seen these guys play in big boy pads on Sundays, you know, could be a completely different thing. So if I've upset any Kansas City or or Chicago fans out there, sorry. Sorry. Now, there's one other grade at the bottom of this list that's, that's worth doing. And on the bell curve that I use to grade these things, they were right there and I gave them the benefit of the doubt. The other team that really, really did poorly on Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday was the Atlanta Falcons. And the Falcons didn't move around the board. They didn't trade around. They just overdrafted continuously throughout the the, the three days. Um, I got Atlanta with a D-minus. Where are you at with that, Trent?
2: Well, I think they they really needed an Ed Rusher, and they got it with uh... – Mr. Passion uh, McKinley. Tag McKinley with another
1: great draft moment and the Finally NFL later. network whoever was sitting back in the production room for the NFL network <laughs> needs to be fired. You got an 8 second delay. Uh. Everybody in America, I was half asleep when that happened, as was my wife. And my wife looked at me and said, "What did he just say?" <laughs> as the f bomb went out there to all of the assembled masses watching that on TV, that was that was hysterical.
2: And but Dion Sanders, what a pro! Right, that was that was amazing, Dion. I thought he he was going to jump right in there and do it with him, but no, he took him back, took him down a little bit. So I mean, I think. Overall, yes, they scored a D minus, but they got a lot faster on defense. I mean and in the NFC South, that's what they need. They need to be a lot they needed to be a lot faster and I, I think they did that.
1: Well, and when you're talking about a team that's drafting all the way down there at twenty six. You know, they don't have a whole lot to start with. Mm -hmm. So it's an uphill climb anyway trying to find value. I think Tack McKinley was a good pick in the first round. After that, it got a little dicey, and, and, you know, some of those were questionable moves. But Atlanta and Dan Quinn, um, Thomas Dimitrov, those guys, I mean, they know what they're doing. They've stockpiled talent, and they played for a Super Bowl. You know, we'll see. Maybe they know better than me. Uh, I would hope that they do. (laughs) But my grades post draft D minus for the Atlanta Falcons. Sorry, guys. Now, we've talked enough about negative stuff. We've talked about red flags. We've talked about these low grades. We've talked about bad trades. All this way into the program, we should finally get to the positive. And this is going to hurt my soul a little bit. You know it is. Trent's got the grades. I sent him to him after the fact and, and told him I would explain the math when we got in here this morning. Uh, look. I'm a Bengal fan, first and foremost, when it comes to the NFL. I have been from the moment I came out of the womb. I hate the Cleveland Browns. I really, I hate the Cleveland Browns. The only NFL team I hate worse than the Browns is the Pittsburgh Steelers. This just shows you how I, I I look at the numbers, and it's a straight analytics analytics deal. I told you that back in 98, 99, I created this this algorithm that I used for the draft. Yeah, The Cleveland Browns. God, this hurts. (laughs) The Cleveland Browns put up the highest grade I've ever produced with my numbers. They choke-slammed this draft. They absolutely destroyed it, and they got everything right all the way through to the sixth round where they took Caleb Brantley, who doesn't even compute into my numbers because that's part of the algorithm. Once you get past the end of the fifth round, I figure those guys are a complete crapshoot. So Caleb Brantley, who's a potential first-round pick, they got him in the sixth. He doesn't even count into the numbers I produced here. They got three front-line, no doubt, top 25 guys in the first round and added a first-round pick. It doesn't get any better than that. You, I sat back and I'm like, you know, Cleveland certainly will figure out a way to screw this up. And they absolutely were money throughout. To walk out of the first round with three guys who, who legitimately will be first-day starters for that franchise and will be there for the next four or five years is amazing to me. Miles Garrett, they talked around it, and there were rumors coming about coming out about Trubisky. In the end, they did the right thing. They took Miles Garrett. But then to add David Njoku and... Jabril Peppers, you can't you can't do any better than that.
2: I mean, my notes start at eight oh six p.m. Cleveland is on the clock, so we are moments away from the typical Browns mistake.
1: That's awesome,
2: and they failed. They failed me because, right? I mean, fifteen years they haven't haven't shown it, but maybe this is the true start for a franchise turning around, and. They have a baseball GM. This guy has a background in baseball. Maybe this is the wave of the future.
1: Sashi Brown came in as you talk about it. The analytics background. I'm going to tell you, Hugh Jackson is a guy that that I I know is sort of a, a cult of personality. Mm-hmm. And Hugh Jackson, what he inherited last year roster wise was a disaster. Now Hugh will say some crazy things every once in a while. You know, he tried to sell. Cody Kessler to the world last year when they, <laughs> when they picked him. Uh, he tried to convince the world that RG3 was going to be his guy, but this is a guy that players love to go to war for, and the fact that they were able to retain Jamie Collins in free agency kind of stunned people, mm-hmm. but Hugh Jackson's that kind of motivator. He's that kind of guy. These players rally around those, those type folks, and um, if he can get his guys into the building – in you know, big numbers like he's managed to do up to this point, Cleveland could do something. Now, the pick that put them over the top from an analytics standpoint was Deshaun Kaiser in the second round, and they got him at 52. And the thought process is, well, they got their quarterback of the future and they only had to use a second-round pick to do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe. Maybe.
2: And see, that's to me, that is the biggest risk. I mean, that's kind of a reach – I mean, he is a project, and you know, in his mind, he has he has the mind of uh, Brady and the the body of Cam Newton, and if he lives up to that, you know, it was a home run in the second. But I mean, that is the only one that I thought maybe a reach.
1: Now I wouldn't call Deshaun Kaiser a reach. Pre-draft, he was rated as, you know, around the 20, 25 mark, something like that. So to get him at 52, he's good value. Mm-hmm. The question you have is whether the guy's going to pan out or not, and draft position is a is a good indicator. Of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now, how many do you think were number one overall picks? Three?
2: Nine.
1: More than a quarter of all the NFL starting quarterbacks were taken at number one overall. Fifteen were taken in the top four picks. Hmm. If you want a starting quarterback in the NFL, the best bet, the safest way to find one is to find a guy that's a legit top five talent in the NFL and get yourself in position and take him there. That said, we fussed about Chicago feeling like they had their guy at two. We're going to find out. You know, everybody's got an opinion right now, but it really doesn't matter. 19 of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL were taken in the top 12 picks. Wow. All right. And and the other thing is that these guys hold down that job so long that you've got so many iterations of draft classes coming through that a lot of these guys never find their way on the field. But unless you strike gold – you're not going to get a late round quarterback that's going to be effective for you. Mm-hmm. All right, unless you're Russell Wilson, who went, you know, who fell in the draft to the 3rd round because he was undersized, he beat the odds. Mm-hmm. He's an exception to the rule. Tom Brady, everybody knows his story. But let's not be confused. Tom Brady was not Tom Brady coming out of the, coming out in the draft. Coming out of Michigan, he was just a guy. You're, if you think you're going to find 6th and 7th round guys that are going to turn into what Brady's done, you're, you're mistaken. If Belichick had that magic formula, he'd have been cycling those guys through the system and they'd be dominating the league on other, on other teams. The Patriots have missed on so many quarterback picks since Brady became the starter. It's mind-boggling. They didn't have a magic formula. The bottom line is they got really, really lucky and Tom Brady has put in more energy and more work over the course of the years than anybody will ever know, he became what he's become. But that's not your formula. Yeah. All right? So that said, looking at the Giants, the Giants in the third round, Davis Webb out of Cal, they took him, and the word immediately was, well, this is great. They got a guy at 87 that they can groom behind Eli Manning – who can become his successor in two or three years. I'm gonna tell you right now, the odds of that happening are remote. Remote at best. Third round type talents.
0: Don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. You
1: grew up knowing you could do
3: anything. As a soldier in the US Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong and then there's Army strong.
4: The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting edge research.
5: Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion. We need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose.
4: Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from
3: a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion.
6: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
0: I'm CeCe. My victory was finishing my education.
6: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
0: Welcome back to From the Sheepseed.
1: All right, Trent. we talked a lot about optimism associated with uh, teams and their, and their draft headed into the, uh, into the event. Now, there are other teams whose fan bases are not quite as optimistic ever. You know, they're great front runners, but when things aren't perfect, they, nothing good is going to happen. Now, next year, I assure everyone that's listening, assuming that we still have radio home for this and people still want to listen to it, we're going to do up a big draft party. Um, maybe at Trent's house. Who knows? Yeah. No, we'll do it. We're going to hook it up. We're going to do it big. We'll, we'll do catering. We'll have adult beverages there. It'll be great. This year, I went over to, I said earlier, Libations here in downtown Sanford and, and uh, hung out with, uh, I don't know, 15 or 20 football fans. And talk to different folks about their team, where they where they saw them and, and what they were going to do. And the most interesting guy I met during the night, no offense to anybody else, was Joe Stecker. Joe's a lifelong Eagles fan. He's a Philadelphia transplant. And he cracked me up from the time we first started talking, but he knew his football inside and out. And I spent a couple minutes with him. Um, just listen.
6: I guess we got to go, Alan. But I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it's Ruben Foster. I really—they've been talking to him all week on local sports
3: talk. Yeah, they want to me.
1: get back to the—they want the defensive team to step up. They want to get loud. That's what that city is—defense. Okay. And given what's left on the board, yeah. And given the way the rest the rest of this draft is gone, yeah. Who would just make you want to bounce a glass off the wall right now? <laughs> Davey no, Buck, Joe Mixon. Joe, right. Joe Mixon? Mixon. Joe really? Yeah. Do you think Joe Mixon's even a possibility? you got Dalvin Cook still we on We do board. a lot of dumb things. Outside of Cleveland, Philly's right there. All right, so, so Joe Mixon is the absolute no. The absolute no. And you I got daughters. So it's a no. Yeah, Ruben Foster. He's just <laughs> my <much> slow <laughs> <of laughs> weed. It's not bad. Fair enough. Yeah. Now Malik Hooker's still sitting oh, out. I know. I wouldn't say no.
5: E-A-T-L-E-S. Eagles! What? <laughs> That's not right. That's garbage, man. Garbage.
1: <laughs> and Trent, I know you hadn't heard that before, but we, we had we had eight—I don't know, maybe ten minutes of, of recorded footage with Joe and, and his folks, man. But. The reaction when the Eagles took Derek Barnett was classic. <laughs> I, I just folded up, man. Derek Barnett hadn't paid a snap for the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. If if Derek or his family's listening, big apologies, man. Those guys were distraught. They wanted Reuben Foster. Reuben Foster had fallen down the boards because of a diluted sample. Um, maybe sometime on a podcast I'll send the rest. But uh, we talked specifically about the, the urine sample. Really, in 2017, let me tell you something. A diluted sample, it's one of those, you just got caught, man. Anybody that thinks these players aren't smoking weed on a regular basis is confused. But anyway, Ruben Foster had the issue, got kicked out of the combine, then he shows up at, at, with a diluted sample, f- plummeted down draft boards. Now, is any of that stuff we talked about, any of those red flags going to have any impact on him? If it does, you know, he'll he'll fall out of the league or he won't be a frontline guy. If he winds up playing to his potential, San Francisco stole him mm-hmm. at the end of the first round. And to come out of there with Solomon Thomas, who I felt they overdrafted a little bit, they more than made up for it with Reuben mm-hmm. Foster yeah. with the value on the pick there, and that's why I give San Francisco an A-. minus. Um, Buffalo... He'll even choke slam this draft. Buffalo came and kicked it while it was down. Buffalo had a heck of a day. Um, they picked up the one from Kansas City when Kansas City moved up to get Mahomes. So they got a future one in their pocket. Great value there. But then Buffalo, as they, as they navigated the board, just continually picked off value. Tredavious White in the first round at 27. Um, great pick coming out of LSU in a corner-heavy draft. I was impressed with what Buffalo did.
2: The ECU. Local boy.
1: Zay Jones. Zay Jones.
2: So, I mean, I got, they got the guy that could be a starting right tackle right away. And in the fifth, the uh, potential starting quarterback at uh, Nathan Peterman.
1: Man, weren't you – were you paying attention? Fifth-round quarterbacks don't start. Now, you know, that
2: said – They play against Brady, so maybe they're sipping that Kool-Aid that well, they can find that late night – that late round or late night –
1: it could be, and Tyrod Taylor is their starter. He's one yeah. of those examples of a late round guy. However, when you've got a late round pick, normally there's controversy, you know, surrounding that guy. Let's take a look real quick. The the guys that were drafted outside of the top thirty six picks, and this just this is indicative. Most of most everybody on this on this list here has a a, a solid starter. Ingrained on their team. Okay? The one exception being San Francisco, who's got a recycled Blaine Gabbard. Gabbert, Gabbert mm-hmm. was originally a top 10 pick, cut, let go by Jacksonville. He wound up in San Francisco. He is the starter for now. But other than that, all of your teams that have that took a quarterback in the top 36 and have him installed as a starter, it's a solid situation. The exceptions. Christian Hackenberg was taken at 51 last year by the Jets. He's Mm -hmm. the starter there. He's holding that spot. They're waiting for anybody to step up. Maybe it'll be Hackenberg. Maybe it'll be Petty. Who knows? Maybe the Geno Smith will go. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Who knows? Yeah. Trent.
2: Could be Jay Cutler.
1: When camp opens, you ought to go up there and give it a whirl. I should. There just is no telling what's going to happen with the Jets. The Browns, Brock Osweiler was taken by the Broncos a couple years ago at 57, Osweiler's got all the tools. He's the Ryan Leaf type we talked about, who's in the locker room. And that that kind of goes back to what I said. You know, an arrest is a bad thing. You did something wrong. But if you're a butt mm-hmm. and you can't get along and play nice with your with your teammates, that's a problem. And, and that's the what the issue with Rockweiler well, Osweiler is. Is that they'll cut him. Well, I I it's easy to say that, but why? You're already gonna pay the guy, and it's not like there's a you know a a huge amount of talent at the quarterback position on that team. Deshaun Kaiser, if he's going to be the guy a year or two from now, why not keep Oswald around? If you're going to pay him, you might as well at least make him put a helmet on. Yeah. Well, I don't four. know.
2: They have four quarterbacks right now on the roster.
1: Well, that depends on who you ask. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, Russell Wilson, you know, Seattle lucked up. They took a shot on the guy. He, is, he has been able – uh, one of those small guys who's just been able to, to transcend his lack of height. Um, I've got mixed feelings about Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson's got a one more Super Bowl ring than I do, <laughs> so he's the guy. Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Tyrod Taylor, Tom Brady, Trevor Simeon—those are the rest of the guys that were taken outside of that 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 first thirty-five, thirty-six picks. The bottom line is, if the the, the easiest, safest recipe is to get your guy early and ride with it. If you're taking a shot at the end of the at the end of the uh draft trying to, you know, find that diamond, very unlikely that it's going to happen. Okay. 84 quarterbacks have been drafted since 2010. 84. There's only 32 starting positions in the NFL mm-hmm. at quarterback. That tells you it's a crapshoot. Now, if you take one in the first round, there's been 19 of those guys selected since 2010. 13 of those guys are starters now. So 13 of the 19 are starters. That doesn't leave a whole lot for the other 84 guys that were taken. When you get down into the the 4th, 5th, and 6th round, Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott are the only 4th rounders that are starting that have been taken. And Tyrod Taylor and Trevor Simeon, 6th and 7th round picks, respectively,
2: mm-hmm.
1: are holding on to starting jobs by the skin of their teeth right now. So Nathan Peterman may be the exception to the rule, but I wouldn't put a whole lot of weight into it. Trent, I appreciate you coming in and uh, taking the reins from from Brandon Atkins. Thank
2: you. I tried to uh, fill his shoes.
1: And and fill them <laughs> you've done. Fill them you've done. So any, any thoughts about uh, the last hour's worth of things that we've talked about?
2: Well, you know, I know that Cleveland hit a home run, but I really think that Denver, to me, was the, uh, the number one, uh, the best draft out there. <laughs> they were the winner, and let me tell you why. Bulls was hands down the first-round star. No, 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 I'm sorry. His four-month-old son was the first-round star, and I have already figured out who my new jersey is going to be. The greatest name for a jersey Mr. Jake Butt. I like that. I'm getting his jersey because I love Big Butt, and I cannot lie.
1: You've been waiting all day Ah. to put that in there. I can see that coming. (laughs) I like it. I do do wish he was on my team, just so I get a jersey that says Butt. Butt. That's awesome. We will be doing a little bit more deeper analysis on each of the grades over on the podcast. Go to SoundCloud. Find us at From the Cheap Seats. Follow it. It'll give you notifications every week. We put up new content. Every show we've ever been, we've ever done, is out there in the archive. We'll continue to do that. So if you're not hearing us on the radio, you want to check us out on your phone or your computer or whatever the case might be. Hook that up. We would appreciate the support. Facebook from the cheap seats starting to pick up a little bit of traction. Um, Twitter now Trent. You and I both have individual tri- Twitter handles. Yep, I'm at Chris underscore DeLambert. Yours, I'm at Tree Nick. Tree Nick. Yep. Brandon Atkins <laughs> hadn't got Twitter. He hadn't. He, he's he he doesn't understand that. He's not down with Twitter. But what we did this week is we put together a cheap seat radio Twitter account mm-hmm. that will be just for live tweeting events. We'll be doing ball games. We'll be doing things of that nature. It'll also stand as an archive. So follow us at Twitter at Cheap Seat Radio. It'll be out there. Uh, on Facebook, From the Cheap Seats, find that. And one last thing, June 3rd, there'll be more details. It'll come out via Facebook. We're going to be hosting our first event. It'll be the From the Cheap Seats Dodgeball Tournament what? in downtown Sanford june 3rd more details to follow we're going to raise some money for alzheimer's research we're gonna have a great time so go to facebook follow us we'll get you an invite to the event it's going to be a lot of fun you've been listening to from the cheap seats thanks for hanging out go check out the rest of the show on podcast on soundcloud from the cheap seats
0: you're listening to Krista lambert and brandon atkin you might not love your seats but you'll love the show
4: Where will you find the perfect weekend? At the corner of Arts & Vine in Sanford on May 6th and 7th. And as the name implies, you'll find yourself steeped in fine arts, creative pottery, artisans, wonderful wine and craft beer, as well as music and fun for the entire family. This year features the top craft brewers in North Carolina, and the largest winemaker in the Southeast, This is where it all comes together for one great weekend on May 6th and 7th in beautiful Sanford, North Carolina, at the Dennis A. Wicker Civic Center. The festival runs from 10 to 5 each day, and admission is free. For more information, go to SanfordArtsAndVine.com. That's SanfordArtsAndVine.com. It's the 2017 Sanford Arts and Vine Festival. It's the perfect weekend at the corner of Arts and Vine.
3: My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion.
2: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of.
6: At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
0: I'm CeCe. My victory was finishing my education.
6: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
0: Now, from the cheap seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins.
1: All right, welcome to the bonus half hour. This is podcast only. If you followed us over from the radio, we appreciate it. If you're listening fresh, we appreciate that too. But call your local stations and tell them hey, they need to get Chris and Brandon and Trent on the radio. All right, so we talked Cleveland till we were blue in the face. They. Knocked this thing out of the park. They let the draft board come to them. I think they drafted without having an eye on a particular position. They just got the best athletes out there. They added three legit first-round type guys, guys with top 25 solid grades, and then got Deshaun Kaiser a great value pick at 52 in the second um, and added a number one for next year. They go into next year's draft with two number ones and three twos. Cleveland, you know, they, they've they still got to get it done on the field, but this is how you start to get a franchise moving back in the right direction. Buffalo, Buffalo we talked about as well, just great value as they move down the boards. Um, what are your thoughts about the the Bills draft?
2: I think they did a good job trading down and nabbing uh, Trevidevious tr- Wright. <laughs>
1: Travis White oh, from LSU. Stuck
2: on me, yes. The cornerback, and then I love ECU's uh, Zay Jones, uh, you know, and even uh, getting that starting right tackle. So I think the Bills, I mean, I think they weren't that A that you uh, you have them graded out. Yeah,
1: the highest of the A's, it's worth noting, we will do these in order. Indy, another one of those A's. These guys didn't move around the board. Um, you know picking in the middle of the rounds all the way through just good value picks and it started in the first round with Malik Hooker
2: yeah and I think that they needed defensive help and their first three picks that's what they did I really like uh, Marlon Mack in the fourth I think he's a uh, running back that has that big play ability that could really help out that offense too
1: Marlon Mack was a guy that a lot of draft you know draft geeks had in that sort of 75 to 85 range um mm-hmm. uh, you know they've been looking for running back help. It seems like since Edgar and James <laughs> retired, I don't know, but Andrew Luck, you've got you know a top shelf quarterback. Um, you got to add components around him. Add to that defense. Um, if Marlon Mack becomes that guy, this is a this is a home run for the for the Colts here in the draft. New Orleans, New Orleans. When you look in terms of top one hundred guys that they added. New Orleans added as much talent as just about anybody in this draft. I gave them an A as well. What do you think?
2: I think Marshawn Latimore, who my names, fell to them at 11, and that's a,
1: a huge victory.
2: Um, my only question is, did they really need another offense alignment? I mean, they could have used that for something else. But
1: Well, I think that um, the best teams when it comes to draft strategy – it's best player available. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with with offensive linemen, that's a a prime example. You know, if you've got two solid tackles, that's great. But one of those guys is going to miss time at some point. The the shelf life on these guys, it works itself out. You know, with the exception of probably quarterback, anywhere else, I just don't think you can stockpile too much talent. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they employed a strategy here. Marshawn Lattimore is gifted to them. You know, the two quarterbacks taken early. Some of the other things that happened uh, were surprises. But Marshawn Lattimore was the consensus number one cornerback coming out in this class to get him at 11. Nice move there by New Orleans. New Orleans with a really, really strong performance. I gave them an A. The 49ers. The 49ers, man, they had an interesting day. You know, it started with, with robbing – Chicago and stockpile in some extra picks. They got two threes and a four to swap picks with the Bears. Solomon Thomas, I thought, was overdrafted, but after that, you know, it was pretty strong. And, you know, the core of this this A minus I gave the 49ers was that Reuben Foster pick. You know, it's in, impossible to, you know, look into the future and see if Reuben Foster's going to be a knucklehead or or whatever the case might be. But I don't think anybody's ever questioned his work ethic or his drive or his performance on the field. Reuben Foster, he's a monster. And to pick up a guy that talented, that late at 31, strong work by the 49ers front office. John Lynch, you know, in his newfound role as, as general manager, showing that he was fearless. Now, I do scratch my head over the pick of C.J. Beathard, um, the Iowa quarterback. I don't think anybody else had him on their radar. Mm-hmm. He's undersized. Um, I didn't realize that's Bobby Beathard's son. Oh uh, yeah, no, Bobby is his son or his grandson. He's he, they're related. But uh, Bobby Beathard, one of the you know the great personnel guys of all time. So who knows.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think John Lynch, that was, everyone was scratching their head at that higher, But to get an A on your first draft, I think he did a good job. And Reuben Foster from uh, Jacob Palmer, the sports editor with uh, the San Francisco ex, uh, Examiner on our mock draft, had him as San Francisco's pick. Yeah. So to be able to get him later
1: Absolutely. was brilliant. So if you assume, and, and I'll tell you that I thought in our mock draft that Reuben Foster was overdraft a little bit at two. I thought that was high. But when you can pick him up late mm-hmm. and add a Solomon Thomas, you know, yeah, even if they overdrafted Solomon Thomas a little bit, it it takes the sting out of that because it's basically a, a free pick. Yeah. Um, good job by the 49ers again. I've got a, a solid A minus. Um, Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens had a good day.
2: I, I feel that the corner pick at uh, number one Marlon Humphreys was a best available pick I mean I don't know if they really needed a corner they've got some really good young guys there so to me that was kind of that but overall I think they did really well I was just scratching my head a a little bit about the Humphreys
1: well I when it comes to Alabama defensive players, it's easy to say you can never have enough. Mm-hmm. However, it's been real hit or miss with Alabama quarter, cornerbacks. And that's interesting to me because it seems like every year there's one that goes in the draft, and it's just as good a chance as not that the guy's going to be a, a, a really strong NFL player. Yeah, Marlon Humphrey, to me, you know, he's prototypical size, speed. Uh, Baltimore... Uh, Perpetually looking for help at cornerback, it seems like. Mm-hmm. But I thought Baltimore had a particularly good day. B plus for them. Then Cincinnati. Cincinnati with B plus. And frankly, it's their third and fourth round picks that vaulted them up the board. Okay. The Joe Mixon pick is the one that everybody's going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Now, so that you know as these grades go, my ranking for Joe Mixon was 61. So in my eyes, when they took him at 48, the numbers tell me they overdrafted him. Now, from a talent standpoint, there are people that will tell you Joe Mixon should have been a top-five pick. Yeah.
2: There the are people that legitimately
1: feel like he was the best running back in the draft. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I feel that. I thought Fournette was head and shoulders above everybody. But if you assume that Mixon is a top-15 or top-20 guy – All of a sudden, Cincinnati's into the AA minus territory, but with Mixon being rated at 61, taking him at 48, they were okay. They overdrafted John Ross a little bit, I thought, at nine, but Corey Davis and Mike Williams were already off the board. Mm -hmm. It was a long way from the third best wide receiver down to the fourth or fifth best wide receiver. The Bengals love speed. Marvin Lewis, since he's been there, you know, even when he was a defensive coordinator, he's always said he puts a lot of value in guys that can quote take the top off a of defense. John Ross can do that. Unlike very many people yeah, out he
2: can't there, can't coach speed.
1: So we'll see how John Ross pans out. The question is going to be whether he's whether he's big and strong enough to take the pounding in the NFL. He's had injury concerns at Washington. There's no doubt about his speed, but he's not a track guy. He's a, he, you know, he's a well-rounded football player. So I'm excited about that as a Bengals fan. But you put Joe Mixon into the mix; they were sitting okay at that point. Their third and fourth round picks they killed it value-wise. The two pass rushers, yeah, Jordan Willis and Carl Lawson. Carl Lawson was an end of the first round beginning a second round pick. They got him in the 4th. That's huge value. Jordan Willis was seen on some in some places as a first round pick. I had him as a second round guy, but they really got good value. The question is what they're going to do with him because neither one of those guys fits the mold for Cincinnati pass rushers. They like long guys. You know, their defensive ends average about 6'5" six, 6'6". These guys are not nearly that tall or long, so whether or not they ever perform in that system to, to make these picks valuable is questionable. We'll see as time goes on, but I've got Cincinnati with a B plus. The Chargers come in with a B. Your thoughts?
2: Uh, Williams with two other weapons for Rivers. I think that is really good. Lamp and Feeney, they're definitely upgrades on the offensive line. You know, a couple of good safeties. I mean, the Chargers did a good job filling a lot of holes.
1: Moving forward to me, we've made no bones about it. I thought Mike Williams was the best player in this draft. Mm -hmm. If he plays to that level out there with Phillip Rivers, that will be the pick that defines this draft. I really, truly believe Mike Williams – has the potential to have more impact than anybody else in this draft. Miles Garrett and everybody else included. For the Chargers to be able to add him with a guy that's still got good years left in him, Phillip Rivers, Mike Williams might be a Pro Bowler next year. <laughs> I, I believe that. And he's he's in a system, in a franchise, that's never shown any um, lack of willingness to play rookies early, especially on offense. Yeah. So Mike Williams could be putting up big numbers. We'll, we'll talk about that more in uh, our fantasy special that will be coming up soon. All right, so the Chargers, I gave a B. I also gave a B to the Vikings. What do you got?
2: With no first-round pick, they got first-round talent in uh, Dalvin Cook. You well, know, even with the controversy, you know, if he could uh, stay out of trouble, it was a good good pick.
1: The Vikings, of course, gave up their number one in the Sam Bradford deal last yep. year when Bridgewater went down. And that's a question for another day as to what they do now. Bridgewater coming off the injury. Sam Bradford got in playoffs. You know, it's tough to say. Dalvin Cook, red flags. Lots of red flags. Mm-hmm. But no doubt about <laughs> his talent. He's a complete back, uh, really dangerous in the open field. Dalvin Cook may, you know, is now the heir apparent to Adrian Peterson, so Dalvin Cook going. You're right. They got first round talent with a second round pick. Dalvin Cook was top 15 guys on most people's boards. So good job Vikings. And then Jacksonville, Jacksonville. That's a team that's that's on the come. There's so much talent out there. I love the pick of Fournette.
2: Yeah, but at four,
1: I love it. Okay. I, you know, in that case, if you can trade down and think you can get him. Do that, but like I said, Fournette to me was the best running back by leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. You take a young quarterback, you've got a good young defense being built out there. You add Fournette to the mix. I, it's hard to say, you know, hard to see where you go wrong. You know, people will draw comparisons and say, well, Zeke Elliott, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that Jacksonville offensive line and that Dallas Cowboys mm-hmm. offensive line from a year ago, two entirely different animals. We'll be right back. Don't
3: go
0: anywhere. We'll be right back.
3: You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. They're strong, and then there's Army strong.
4: The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research.
5: Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion. We need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose.
4: Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was
3: going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion.
6: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission. Helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
0: I'm CeCe. My victory was finishing my education.
6: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
0: Welcome back to From the Cheapskate.
1: All right, so we've made it all the way down to the B minuses. I've got Miami, the dolphins at a B minus. And this isn't meant as a slight. This is meant to be a more legitimate grade than I think you see on some of the websites and on radio shows out there. Miami, I've got a B minus. They sat at you know the 22nd pick in the first round. They took good talent. They didn't greet any great value picks, but they got guys where they were supposed to come off. Um, I love the second round pick of Raquan McMillan. I think McMillan's going to be a starter in the NFL for the next 10 years. Uh, Charles Harrison the first. What do you got?
2: Yeah, I mean, they filled that need with that pass rusher in Harris and then got the speedy linebacker that they needed. Uh, Overall, they did a good job.
1: All right, you talked about Denver in that C-plus. You said you thought it was the best draft out there because (laughs) they got Jake (laughs) Butt, and you get to rock the Jake Butt jersey now.
2: And Bulls' kid, very cute in his suit.
1: I really thought, you know, that's Elway understanding how to to play the board. Mm -hmm. You know, sitting at 20 – Garrett Bowles falls to them, the best offensive tackle in this draft. I don't think there was any disputing that. And Denver sits back and says, "Yep, yeah, yes, please, we'll go ahead and take him there."
2: And he could be plugged right in. I mean, he could start for him. And that's the latest an offensive uh, lineman's been drafted. So,
1: all right, the rest of the C pluses, Seattle,
2: Seattle. You know, I think that uh, they put the. Uh, I think they re re they're retooling their legion of boom. I mean, they drafted three safeties and a cornerback. So, I think they could have used an offensive line themselves, but uh yeah, watch the, the boom grow.
1: Well, Seattle traded back several times. Mm-hmm. And um you know They didn't Malik, have a first, right? Yep. They by the time it was all said and done, they didn't they took Malik McDowell with that first pick, number thirty five. McDowell's the guy, there's no doubt about the talent. There's some questions about work ethic and so on and so forth. That's why he was there at thirty five. Um nothing to light the the world on fire, but Seattle just steadily stockpiling picks. The Redskins I've also got with a C plus.
2: I think with no GM, they did a good job. <laughs> I mean, they got two good Alabama players. Your uh, your lust, Jonathan Allen. Yeah, John got. Allen, great, great,
1: great value.
2: And then uh, their pass rusher Ryan Anderson, uh, first round talent, UCLA cornerback. Um, you know who only dropped because he had that torn pectoral muscle. So you know maybe that's the way to go. Don't have a GM and uh, the Redskins could turn themselves around.
1: Well, it was an okay day. I do love the Jonathan Allen pick. I think they got great value, and they've got a guy that I, I, I believe that the, that the scouting process just overworked him mm-hmm. and, and you mm-hmm. know thought too much about it. When you put on tape, the guy found ways to make plays, whether it was inside, outside. I think he's a monster. We'll see if I'm right. But a C-plus for Washington, the Carolina Panthers. I've got the Panthers with a C-plus. More shocking to me than the Chicago trade-up to go get Trubisky was Christian McCaffrey coming off the board at 8.
2: As what in you too think? soon? or
1: Yeah, I, I think he was overdrafted. If you're going to take a running back at 8, to me it needs to be a three-down guy that can tote the rock all the time. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey, to me, is not that guy.
2: Well, I think that with McCaffrey, Samuels you know, could slide into that slot – um, I think that they're getting offensive, you know, those weapons. Where are they going to use McCaffrey? He can be everywhere. Maybe he they don't want a three-down back.
1: Well, they obviously don't want a three-down back. or they. <laughs> I mean, and then you, check, you mess around and take Curtis Samuel. After that, I'm going to be honest with you, Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey are awful close to being the same player. Yeah. You know, Samuel, when he was at Ohio State, lined up everywhere on offense, quarterback, running back, you know, inside outside as a receiver, Samuel is a weapon an awful lot like Christian McCaffrey. Now these guys may get into that system and because of their ability on in broken plays and, and in a broken field with cam and his ability to extend plays, maybe these guys hit it out of the park. I just I have a problem with the McCaffrey pick. I think he was overdrafted. And I really think that, yeah, there was a lot of buzz about him and, and a great story and all the rest of that. But I think you could trade back down or, or trade down in the first round and still got McCaffrey. You know, maybe they tried. I don't know. But they took him. I think they overdraft a little bit. Curtis Samuel, on the other hand, coming back to him is pretty good value there in the second round. Mm-hmm. Curtis Samuel's a nice ball player. He's he, watching a lot of Ohio State football for one of the biggest programs in the country, Curtis Samuel was the best athlete on the field for Ohio State for a couple of years. Yeah, That's what kind of athleticism he has. (laughs) Now, it didn't necessarily translate into production, but when Ohio State needed a big play, more often than not, it was Curtis Samuel that wound up with the ball in his hands. New England, sitting back doing what they do. I've got him as a C-plus. I'll tell you frankly that – New England does this better than anybody yeah. and that C plus three years from now will probably be an a minus just because they do it better but they they reached and overdrafted a couple of times there are no real splash for New England um, didn't do anything to advance their quarterback search you know they've got Garoppolo for one more year whether or not they're going to deal him or not is is still up in the air um, We'll see if he stays put the Jets. This is the start of our Cs. This is middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Middle of the road. New York Jets. What do you got?
2: Uh, Jamal Adams is a great gem that fell into their lap in the uh, in the sixth round. They got a Maguire that could be a steal at running back. So I mean, I think the the big one was you know taking Adams.
1: Yeah, Adams, who who people had projected as high as three. Um, Jamal Adams at six, nice fit. You know, as close as a, a as safety can be to can't miss. Uh, nice pick there by the Jets, but again, just sort of sat back. I like their second round pick even better. Marcus May. They doubled up and went safety again in the second round. Took Marcus May at thirty nine. I think mm-hmm. that's a great value pick. Um, and you know, a pair of young safeties to to for Todd Bowles and his staff to uh, maneuver with. Tampa Bay with a C. OJ Howard at nineteen. Jameis Winston had to be sitting at home absolutely out of his mind. (laughs) Uh, O.J. Howard, you know, uh, there are folks I had heard say they felt like O.J. Howard was a top five player in this draft. Big, strong, athletic tight end that can catch. He's polished, runs good routes. Got to love that pick.
2: Yeah, they added a ton of – just like I fell for Carolina, they gave Winston a ton of uh, weapons. The flyer, Goodwin, at wide receiver. And, heck, even McNichols. Could be a surprise. Some people at running back that they got later in the draft.
1: Well, again, I think that you know when you look at the total haul, you see, yeah, okay, Tampa had a good day. I do think that aside from the OJ Howard pick, it was value issues. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we'll see how it all shakes out. Dallas Drew Pearson opened the show with his (laughs) with his monologue. That was amazing, by the way. Again, um, I've got him with a solid C. I saw somebody say during the draft, Taco Charlton was the steal of the draft. Shut up. Yeah, yo Shut quiero up, taco, Cowboy fans. Yo I mean, taco. dude, Choc- Taco Charlton may be a very good player for them. Yeah. To, inst- you know, to – To come out and say Taco Charlton is the best value, the steal of the draft, is ridiculous. The guy was taken right where he was projected to. He may turn into a stud, but don't make something out of it that it's not. But that's Dallas and and hyperbole. That's how they do. All right, a good C for Dallas. Green Bay, Arizona, and Houston all with Cs. Anything jump out at you with those three teams?
2: Uh, You know, I like the, uh, the Green Bay. Ted Thompson, I mean, I think he is probably the greatest GM at drafting. You know, almost ever probably Kevin King, uh, at cornerback from Washington is a big time player. They got them in the uh, second round and uh, Williams in the fourth. Um, Arizona Reddick, Bubba Baker, the speedster, uh, the speedster from uh, Grambling Williams. He could be a steal in the third round where he was drafted.
1: Well, talking about these three teams, the one that jumps off the board to me is Deshaun Watson, and we talked. About Trubisky earlier mm-hmm. and the bad situation that he's going into in Chicago, mm-hmm. it's exactly the opposite in Houston. You know he's going into a place where there nobody's pretending there's an established starter. Mm-hmm. Now Tom Savage can fill in the gap for him, but Tom Savage isn't going to be butt hurt if Deshaun Watson's getting the number one reps and taking things away. At the same time, if Watson doesn't pan out and become that superstar, you don't have that level of cheese dumped into him where he's hamstrung your franchise. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can get a first-round quarterback with that type talent and not have to invest top three pick into him, that's a completely different animal. So I love Deshaun Watson going to a playoff team there in Houston with DeAndre Hopkins. You know, he's got weapons out there. This is a good team, great situation for Deshaun Watson. And I wouldn't be surprised if the learning curve goes a little bit better for him than it does for Mitchell Trubisky.
2: Well, hopefully he fits into Bill O'Brien's offense. I mean, that's a little bit of a question because it's totally different than what he's used to. But you know what? With their defense, Denver won it with Peyton Manning with zero arm.
1: Well, I can he I can, can say the this ball about a Watson: bit better than Peyton. there there never was a time in Watson's entire career in Clemson where. I saw something he could not do on a football field. Yeah. You know, if you wanted him to stand in the passer and pick a defense apart, he could do that. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to run the spread and get out get the ball out quickly, he could do that. If you wanted to make plays with his feet, he could do that. You know, from a cerebral standpoint, is he gonna be able to do all the things Bill O'Brien's gonna ask of him? I don't know. We'll see. All right, Tennessee, we talked about that. Tennessee adding weapons for Marcus Mariota. They went corner in the first round. Um what else – what were they able to accomplish?
2: I think uh, Corey Davis getting that wide receiver that they needed for him. Um, I mean, to me, nothing really overly stood out on the Tennessee. I think they got Mariota some weapons, but right there in the middle of the pack.
1: Well, would... with two first-round picks, people got to be disappointed with the C grade, but you overdrafted. Mm-hmm. You took Corey Davis before Mike Williams, and that may be one that comes back to haunt him. <laughs> But just in the pre graft ratings, Corey Davis wasn't seen as a top four guy. That's where they took him. They added Odori Jackson at 16. Um, you know, we'll see how that works out for Tennessee, but we've got him as a C. C minuses, Detroit, Oakland, the Giants, Philly, and Joe Stecker. Pittsburgh with that D+. Plus. Talk about Pittsburgh for about 30 seconds.
2: I think uh, T.J. Watt is a perfect fit for the uh,
1: Steelers scheme. I'm afraid you're correct.
2: And I think uh, the best pick, though, was the, the, the James Conner story. I mean, the guy beating cancer and then getting drafted. I mean, that's just the one that tugs at your heartstrings, which was awesome. That I'm going to tell you,
1: I'm shocked that Conner made it all the way to pick 105. And, I mean, the story's nice and all the rest of that, but James Conner's a good running back. Yeah. You know, he put Tough. up the numbers, he's, he's a homegrown kid there. James Conner is going to haunt some people. He dropped an awful long way. Thanks for hanging out. We love you. Taco. You're
0: listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Action. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show.